Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Bet the Edge, joined by Drew Densick. I'm Sarah Perlman with you. And as always, big thank you to those of you joining us on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel today. It is an incredible time of the year for sports. NFL, college football, and Major League Baseball playoffs. And we will start with that today as Kenny Ducey is here to explain where he's leaning in MLB's wildcard matchups and in the two-divisional series. And Chrissy Freud is back with us to handicap some huge SEC matchups in week six. We have that. We have our edge of the day. All that. So much more coming up right here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Drew, good morning. It's not a uh, secret. I've posted on social media. I have moved. I'm a West Coast girl now. And let me tell you something. This lifestyle is for me. Little by little, we'll pull all of our all of our team out west. I think it's uh, it's the place to be. Um, and uh, speaking of the West, uh, how about that NFC West? NFC West, AFC West, both just absolutely loaded with talent this year. The NFL is tilted. Yeah. Where the, <laughs> the West are, I have seems to have captured all the good teams. Um, but no, seriously, uh, we had two incredible NFC West matchups last weekend. Both dogs win outright. And what do we get this weekend? Another two. Thursday night football, we get Rams versus the Seahawks. And then uh, a fun one that I've already bet into. You missed it yesterday, but my edge of the day was the Niners plus the points against the Cardinals. Uh, so, yeah, this is a, a very fun, you know, fun place to be, especially in terms of uh, where the hot spots are for the NFL right now. Absolutely. Your edge of the day yesterday, I was not on the show, but I like that. I'll talk about that team in a teaser and a little bit along with Thursday Night Football, as you mentioned, with the Seahawks and the Rams. I look at the NFC champion odds here, and Tampa Bay is the favorite to win the NFC at 3-1. to one. Then it's Green Bay 5-1. to one. You're looking at the Rams plus 550. And I'll stop there with the Arizona Cardinals at 6-1. to one. Cardinals getting a lot of love as of late, and rightfully so. Huge win over the weekend against the Rams. Kyler Murray continues to be the topic of discussion for an MVP front runner. I don't know if you have bet into the NFC preseason. I'm sure you have, Drew. But as of now, if you look at the board, do any numbers stand out to you? Well, the Dallas Cowboys at uh, 9-1 to one is surprising because at least when you stack them up against their NFC East competition, there's not a lot of competition there, which mm-hmm. means they have a pretty clean path to a home playoff game. And really, their schedule over the next uh, four weeks, they're going to be meaningful favorites in all of these games. They got Giants, Patriots, bye week, Vikings, Broncos, Falcons. So really, until Thanksgiving, 
uh, practically Thanksgiving where they played back to back the Chiefs and the Raiders, the Dallas Cowboys are going to rack up W's and it is not a surprise. There's I, I don't do a ton of aggressive adjustments to my team rankings early in the season because the first four weeks, a lot of teams kind of treat it like an extended preseason. You get some wonky results. Uh, a lot of team performance is more of a reflection of who they played rather than how good they are. One of the exceptions is the Dallas Cowboys offense is truly elite right now. These guys are going to score 30 points every time they roll out of bed. It is awesome to see in motion because Dak Prescott is an easy guy to root for. And he has so much going for him right now in terms of the skill position players he has around him, the offensive line, the way that they are performing. So I would guess I, I have some Tampa Bay Buccaneers in my pocket. I haven't added anything of yet, but for sure, those other teams in the mix there, Packers, Rams, Cardinals, Niners, Seahawks, all of those teams have substantially harder schedules than the Dallas Cowboys between now and the end of the season. Uh, and so that Dallas Cowboys nine to one, um, my guess is that they are in the driver's seat for the two seed after the Buccaneers in the one seed and that that number is going to move into about four to one by the time we get to the playoffs. Yeah, I think you are exactly right on that. Dallas nine to one, just because of the division there and does make a ton of sense. Uh, you grabbed Tampa Bay at a much better number, three to one. I did not, so I'm not going to buy into it. Quick follow-up here. I want your opinion on Green Bay at five to one. For me, um, we know their offense is rolling. Obviously, defense has struggled a bit. Not a, a, I think they're going to have a great game this weekend, so I'm sure that number is going to shorten just a little bit. They are favorites laying three points. Your take on the Green Bay Packers and if you would buy into that market. Yeah, similar situation where they have a pretty obvious uh, strength on offense right now. Aaron Rodgers has kind of retained for the large, you know, by and large, he has retained his MVP form from last season. No regression to speak of. The challenge is their schedule is much harder this year than it was either of the last two years. They're 13 and three records that we saw two years in a row for this team, largely a function of their schedule being relatively soft. And yes, all six games that they play against the very pedestrian NFC North should be wins. Um, but outside of that, they have some very, very tough contests coming up, a uh, very difficult middle of their season. Again, realistically, this is probably going to be your three seed, probably, uh, maybe your four seed. Uh, and I think at that point, if they are winning, you know, they likely win a home playoff game, then they have to go on the road. And at that, and then that's when the, the going gets tough for them. So I don't see that number moving in a ton from five to one. Certainly don't see them racing off to the one seed like they did last year, but uh, definitely worth keeping an eye on. I'll say this. I was surprised to see, final thing here, Seattle at 12 to one looking right now, but the Rams, Seattle, Arizona, and San Francisco with those tough matchups now and for the next few weeks, just consistently playing each other. It's really hard to look at them and find value in the NFC West, let alone in the big NFC picture. They beat each other up and then you're trying to uh, find the healthiest team down the stretch. Points bet did, of course, let us know. The Los Angeles Rams, no surprise there. They have been and probably will continue to be all season. The biggest liability wow. to come out of the NFC. The NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered with Sunday Night 7. Predict what will happen on Sunday Night Football for a chance to win up to $100,000 every week. It's free and easy to play. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com predictor. In the midst of all this NFL talk, we don't forget. MLB playoffs are starting up tonight. There's a ton of good games. Obviously, the divisional series are set, and we need some help. We welcome in Kenny Ducey here to break it down for us. And Kenny, the first game tonight 
The Yankees and the Red Sox hosting Yankees favorites on the road because Garrett Cole obviously taking the mound. Total extremely low sitting at eight for this game, but it is Evaldi who's been pitching fantastic as of late. A one game playoff for the wild card is so hard to handicap. Everything's on the line. Your best pitchers are taking the mound. Someone gets shelled, they're out quick or they don't look good. Obviously a ton of pinch hitters and substitutions. So how are you handicapping this huge game tonight? You're on mute real quick, Ken. As Kenny fixes his audio, he'll be here in a second, Drew. I look at this game and I see a really even match with Garrett. Sure. Obviously, he has had moments of crazy success through the regular season. And right now, if you look at his last month leading into the playoffs, he hasn't been his best. His ERA is sure. over five. He will get the ball tonight against a, a hot-hitting Red Sox team at home. They're so much better at home. They hit 281 at home just compared to 240 on the road. So right away... I'd argue the Red Sox are advantageous having their offense being at home. You know, there's a few injuries on the Yankees side, but if Garrett Cole's on, that's going to be tough. And for me, I have not put a bet into this game, but if I were to ask you, and I don't know if you've been involved in this, what you think, um, what exactly stands out and, and feels the most important angle to look at this? Well, I have a tough time really thinking that this comes down to starting pitching because I've seen so many Yankees Red Sox games where it's just a battle of attrition at the plate. Right. And the Red Sox, if I'm, if I'm the Red Sox and I come into this game, I'm literally like, we are going to take as many pitches as humanly possible through the first three innings here, really try to drive up the pitch count on Garrett Cole and really, you know, do whatever we can to knock him out of this game. Now that's not saying that you have an advantage over the Yankees bullpen, um, but you know, if you let Garrett Cole get into a groove here, if you let him have a couple of innings where he is, you know, blows through your, your lineup, gets a couple strikeouts, you know, he can definitely roll downhill and then, you know, shorten the game. They get their bullpen in, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, as opposed to bringing them in earlier and, you know, your season's over. And so I would very much expect, you know, the Red Sox philosophy to be, let's take some pitches. Let's try to extend these at bats and you know if this game finishes in under five hours i'll be i'll be surprised i guess uh is there an over on the time of the game there probably is but as far as like market price goes um you know we saw this one open a little short i thought yankees opened at about minus 112 uh it took about 24 hours for them to take a decent amount of money to be bet out into the minus 120s currently points bet hanging the minus 131 is among the more aggressive prices mm -hmm. across the marketplace so they are obviously protecting you know a, a, they're probably protecting some futures realistically because i i don't know many or you know i don't know about much boston liability out there but i know that there's a lot of people who have come in pretty hot on the yankees over the last uh, couple months here and so you know they're probably looking for a little bit of red sox money in this spot just you know you know just uh just in case yeah. but yeah this is a, a very close matchup these two teams obviously played each other extremely closely all season i believe the edge was Sox 10 9 in the 19 games we saw them play each other i have a tough time seeing this being a low scoring starting pitching dominated Absolutely. game Absolutely. And that's probably where I would lean with the over eight. Let's try to bring back in Kenny Ducey here and Aaron Judge, obviously a big factor in this one as well. We touched on the pitching. Kenny, I'm sure you just heard us break this down a little bit, but your opinion and where you lean in this one. Yeah. Well, can you hear me? We got you. Okay. That's good. All right. So I do want to talk about the pitching really quick because I think that this is sort of a mirage of a good pitching matchup. Uh, and what I mean by that is, well, Garrett Cole is someone who's lived and died, uh, you know, with every pitch here. Garrett Cole has been dealing with a sore left hamstring for the last three starts, and he's coming in giving up 15 earned runs 
over the past three outings. And I think, you know, whether it be due to the injury or just due to ineffectiveness, I'm not sure he goes too deep into this game. And what I'm looking at is the Yankees bullpen, which has the best ERA in baseball over the last two weeks at sub 1.8. It's been incredible. And I think that that is really what could win this game for the New York Yankees. Luis Severino has come back and been a force uh, in the long relief role. Of course, he's historically been a starter for the Yankees. So I think that that could certainly make a difference. And I think when you look at the pitching matchup, it might skew towards the Yankees, whereas the hitting matchup, it could skew towards the Red Sox. If you're looking at, you know, September and October, the Red Sox were a top five offense in baseball. But important note is that J.D. Martinez is not going to be in the lineup after hurting his ankle over the weekend. So that's going to be a big blow. I don't think we've seen the market really move that much. But I do think that that is certainly something worth looking at um, in terms of, you know, the, the way that this game goes. I think the Yankees probably take it. But I think the over eight is a pretty good play here when you consider the fact that Evaldi just gave up seven earned runs to the Yankees a week and a half ago at Fenway Park. Garrett Cole gave up, I think, three runs to the Red Sox in, in the same series. And, you know, again, 15 earned runs over his last three outings does not look the same. I think that this is a game which, despite the fact that the Yankees have a good bullpen, the Red Sox bullpen has been a big liability. Avaldi of late, you know, has just not been the same pitcher in the second half. He's been a little bit of a liability. I think that we could see a lot of runs scored here. But I also, so I would say the over and the Yankees minus 125 where I'm going with this game. I like it. I like it. Uh, we'll probably, I'll probably shop around the prop market too, try to find some soft numbers on some hit runs, errors over, uh, maybe some K's unders. Cause I do think uh, you can I, see I really like the Cole under uh, seven. I think that's a pretty good play yeah. as well. I don't think he's going to yeah. go deep. Yeah, that that checks out on a lot of in a lot of regards. Here in uh, Los Angeles, we get to see the uh, our Dodgers play the St. Louis Cardinals tomorrow in the other wild card game. We talked about this a bit yesterday, but I'd like to do a little bit more of a deep dive today. Dodgers best run differential in baseball. You know, one win off of the best team in baseball, and yet here they are, one game away from their season being over, which seems insane after six months of this and what is their reward for all of this success this season they have to play the hottest team in baseball in the month of september in the st louis cardinals cardinals really not getting a ton of market support here we've seen the dodgers get bet out pretty aggressively um and when you consider the fact that the dodgers are throwing max scherzer no surprise scherzer obviously having an impressive cy young season on you know at face value here um, but the dodgers really have are dealing with a number of injuries and they have all season do you think this is a fair price with the dodgers currently at minus 236 and the cardinals on the money line at plus 185. i don't i don't think it's a fair price and i think you have to know what you're betting on here with the los angeles dodgers now look they have won in a zillion games right over 100 games to be in the wild card game is ridiculous but the way that they've gotten here is just scrapping. Uh, if you look at it, I mean, guys like Matt Beatty and even Albert Pujols in his old age stepping up. AJ Pollock has been carrying this team over the last month. And this is just not the same team that we saw last year, right? Mookie Betts had a down year this year. Bellinger was one of the worst players in baseball. Just not even like he had a disappointing year. He's one of the worst players in the league. Um, you know, and then Chris Taylor is a little injured. He's not really himself. Max Muncie is gone. And that's really my biggest fear with the Dodgers is Max Muncy was carrying this offense. He was the best hitter on this team for the majority of the season. As soon as he hit a, a little bit of a snag last month, his walk rate went down. The Dodgers walk rate went down significantly. Their strikeout rate went up. Like he has just been on base three times a game. And it's something that we took for granted with the Dodgers because they have so many guys that walk in Homer. 
But to have that guy out of your lineup now, especially as a big power threat, I think this is a huge disadvantage. And really, again, what you're betting on is, you know, A.J. Pollock, Trey Turner, uh, and Mookie Betts and Corey Seager, which, look, you, you, you know, you, you, take your, uh, you take what you can get with those guys, right? But at the same time, the Cardinals' offense has been red hot. Their bullpen has the fourth best ERA in September and October. I just think that there's a lot going right for the Cardinals right now. There's a lot that could go wrong for the Dodgers. I think we could see one of these offensive outages with Adam Wainwright pitching really well this year. And when you look at that, I mean, plus 185, plus 190, that's a fantastic deal, I think, on the St. Louis Cardinals, especially considering Max Scherzer has a tendency to overthrow and overpitch in some of these big games. He gets too fired up. He gets too into it, too much adrenaline. We've seen it happen in big spots. I know there's no real quantitative reasoning for that, but I do think that that's certainly something I'm thinking about as well. You know, the, the Dodgers bullpen has been really good, but so is St. Louis's. I think this could be a really, really tight margin on this game. I'd even look at the run line with, with St. Louis. Wow. Okay. You'll probably get some really good plus money on the run line. St. Louis has been red hot over the last month. It's going to be tough to fade them. If I had a lean, I'd probably take the cards in a one game wild card playoff. Um, this is really, really tough, but I'm fired up to watch this. Just money coming in on both sides. Only 52% of the handle coming in on the Dodgers. I thought we were going to see a lot more of the money coming in on our team, Los Angeles Dodgers, my new, uh, my new yeah, sorry guys. No big deal. Um, if, you, if you want to lay the runs with the Cardinals, by the way, you can get plus 320 right now. Wow. It's bet. Uh, Cardinals laying one and a half runs. Wow. Okay. So big number there. Certainly enticing. A series matchup here, the White Sox plus 110 versus the Astros, uh, who are minus 139 to win the series. This is obviously going to be uh, an incredible series. My recommendation before I get to you, Kenny, would be to take this game by game because I think it's going to come down to home field advantage. We saw that a lot with the Astros, so dominant at home this season. When they played the White Sox this year, they won five out of seven at home. This is going to be tough. Obviously, I think the offense would argue as of late going to the Astros. See how healthy this pitching staff is for the White Sox, Kenny. Have you bet into this ALDS? I think that the White Sox have a really good chance to steal this one. But I certainly agree with you. I have not taken the series uh, price. I don't think I will. Maybe if the Astros win here in game one, I would take it. But look, I, I think that the White Sox can come out and win game one. We don't know who is going to be pitching for them. Of course, but the, the Astros, to me, I, I, I mean, it's a theme with me and I think with a lot of people who cap baseball in the postseason, look at the bullpen, right? The bullpen for the Astros has been a huge liability all season long. And while they've had certain, you know, two, three-week spans where it's looked okay, you know, guys like Ryan Presley holding it down, they haven't really had a lot of turnover in that bullpen or a lot of, you know, big strides made by their supposedly really good relievers. And they brought in Kendall Graveman, who's been sort of a disappointment, they brought in Phil Maton, who has actually hurt their bullpen from Cleveland. And, and you know, Yimi Garcia really hasn't had a big role either. So they tried their best at the trade deadline to repair this bullpen. It just has not worked, though. And when you look at an ERA over four in September and October, and, uh, you know, the White Sox are coming in top 10 in that mark. And by the way, they have a dominant closer who's throwing very well at Liam Hendricks right now. Some good back-end starters they can put in that, in that bullpen. Um, I just love their pitching staff so much more than the Astros. I think the Astros are pretty deprived of really quality arms, uh, which might be a little bit of a hot take. But uh, look, Framber Valdez is very good. But Granky, I mean, where has he gone? So I, I think that, you know, th the offensive edge might be slightly towards the Astros. But I think the pitching edge is much more weighted towards the White Sox. And that's a scenario where I think that the White Sox actually have an edge. And by the way, Guys, Chicago ended the season so well. They had nothing to play for over the last month of the season. They had a 10-game lead. They put the foot on the gas pedal to end the season. I think that they're ready 
for October, sixth in WRC plus over the last month. And they did not need to be sixth in WRC plus. They ran out their A lineup every single night. These guys are ready to rock. Interesting. So the Houston Astros overrated in the eyes <laughs> of Kenny Ducey. Um, if they held this series in June, I wouldn't say that. I but, feel like we talked to you six or seven times over the course of the season, and you picked the Astros every single time. <laughs> so that's, I did. They used that's to, yeah. Me. I, I love it when you see when you know somebody and then and their opinion flips on a team that tends to be uh, you know that much stronger. So uh, very uh, very interested in a White Sox uh, series price now, especially if they can win Game One. How about uh, we look at uh, the other known series here? We have the Atlanta Braves taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. And as I step back and look at the grand picture here, the pitching starting pitching matchup is wildly in favor of the Milwaukee Brewers, as far as I can tell you, bullpen as well. Yet their series price is only minus 140. Is that a value? Should I get involved with some more Brewers futures at this point? Well, here's the thing about the Brewers, right? This pitching staff has not wavered all season long. It's been great from the beginning of the season till now. The thing about the Brewers has been, well, they didn't hit in the first half. They were one of the worst offenses in baseball. And then they got Willie Adamas, and then they got you know contributions from Luis Urias and Jace Peterson, and this offense really started to come to life out of nowhere with, with these, you know, basically cast-offs. Um, and, you know, the offense kind of hit a snag at the end of the season. And the Milwaukee Brewers, you know, whether it be just complacency, just waiting for the postseason – I don't know what the reason is, but look, Yelich has been great, okay? And that is a big story here coming into the postseason, that he has really turned his season around, perhaps turned his career back around. I know the guy won an MVP, but last year and a half had not been pretty for Christian Yelich. That said, though, I don't know if this offense really packs as much of a punch, so it is kind of difficult to convince yourself to even just lay any sort of juice with the Milwaukee Brewers in this, uh, in this series, especially considering the way that this Braves offense has hit despite the fact that they lost their best player in Acuna. Still, though, I do think the Brewers probably have a little bit of an edge. I think that the pitching is always what's important. And I think that Freddie Peralta has really struggled in the rotation, but they might put him in the bullpen here. I'd like to see them put him in the bullpen. And he could really dominate out of the pen in like a three-inning role. In th if, if you get three innings of Freddie Peralta, three games, excuse me, of Freddie Peralta in, out of the bullpen versus two starts or even one start, I think that's maximizing him and his talent. And I think that the Braves just strike out a little too much for these high strikeout arms. So I kind of with you here that I, I'm a little interested in the Brewers, but I'm also a little scared with the way that this offense has performed in the last month or so. Yeah, I like the Brewers and Drew and I bought into them in the futures market a little bit ago. Um, so I hope they win also because their cheese curds at their park are so good. I wouldn't mind <laughs> some more of those. Um, but Kenny, in all seriousness, thank you so much. Good luck with all your plays. I hope the Yanks come home for you tonight. Thanks for having me. That's the Yankees alarm. Nice. I can you do see uh, all of his MLB analysis also on NBCSportsEdge.com. Alarm going off. Perfect timing saying take the Yanks. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. We appreciate you guys listening uh, to us here on Bat the Edge. Wherever you're listening or watching, please sign up, rate the podcast, trying to give you the most actionable information every single weekday in just about 30 minutes or less. The lines move quickly and we're trying to make sure you gain an edge with us. And of course, you can hit us up on Twitter as well. If you want to reach out to Sarah and figure out how much good cheese curds are worth to the handicap for your baseball team, she can be reached at Sarah Perlman. Uh, and I am available at whale underscore capper. That is, in fact, a <laughs> crucial part of my handicap. In uh, um, I'm not even kidding. Okay, Chrissy Freud's joining us. we got to talk some college football here. Chrissy, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, of course. Y'all's lighting is always so much better than mine. I have to figure out the situation. I have, like, shadows and everything going on every time. <laughs> people, are, people are watching us and listening uh, for your insight here, Chrissy. And I need it because Georgia playing Auburn Link 14 and a half. Totals just 46. If you watch Georgia over the weekend, how dominant they were shutting out Arkansas, it'd be tough not to lay the 14 and a half. You study the SEC quarterback play in college football a lot more than me, so I rely on you to tell me how you're handicapping this game. Yeah, it's really interesting because if you look at the Auburn side, they have LSU transfer TJ Finley over there. He's come in a few times. Uh, he helped stave off the scare against Georgia State, which is kind of scary to even have a scare against Georgia State to begin with. Uh, but then there's also the conversation of, is Bo Nix going to turn the corner? And did we see some of that against LSU last week? So, But I think a lot of that's just a product of how, I guess, inferior LSU has looked as well. So when I look at Auburn, I look at that as a team that kind of got away with a win against an LSU team that is just, for lack of better words, just mediocre. And then you look at Georgia. They did it with Stetson Bennett last game against Arkansas. Shut Arkansas out. Arkansas is a team that has looked really dominant. We've said that they're back, that the Razorbacks are back. That's kind of a tongue twister right there. Uh, But I think that just they made, the Bulldogs made such a statement by shutting that team out and not even without its starting quarterback. I mean, JT Daniels had the core injury early on in the season. And then after that, um, I think he has a lat sprain. That's what's going on right now. And he's kind of a day-to-day. So if they have him, that's all fine and great. But if they don't have him, I think that Stetson has proven that he can get the job done. I think that Auburn is not nearly as good of a team as Arkansas was. And I believe this final score was 37 to nothing. And so they can swing that one against uh, Arkansas. Auburn's going to be no problem. You should absolutely uh, bet on that Georgia's going to cover the spread here. I don't see it going down any other way. I love that look. And uh, I guess staying on Georgia for a hot second here. 
Do you get why they're national title favorites over Alabama at this point? I mean, is it simply just the their schedule is that much easier till the SEC title game? Because I cannot imagine that, uh, especially after Alabama, just easy cover against Ole Miss and what was expected to be a competitive game. Uh, you know, do we think uh, that when we see an SEC title game market open that uh, Georgia will be the favorite? I mean, I think that Georgia just has so much firepower and then Alabama has proven that it is – slightly beatable against a Florida team that lost to Kentucky earlier. So I think if there's going to be anyone that's going to beat Alabama, it's going to be Georgia, but we're going to have to keep a close eye on how the rest of the schedule shakes out uh, what margin of victory the Alabama is taking over the rest of these teams, which they face Mississippi state. I get to watch them in person in a couple weeks. So I'm looking forward to that, but I think JT Daniels also has a, a, a big role in that because I think that Georgia can do fine without him, but I also think at the same time that to beat Alabama that you may need him. Interesting. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I guess among the success stories of the SEC so far this year, the Kentucky Wildcats have been somewhat uh, surprising and impressive. They are now three-point favorites, taking on LSU this week, who you just mentioned was extremely pedestrian, especially defensively, made Bo Nix look quite good, <laughs> which is hard yeah. to do. So, so uh, do you think uh, Kentucky continues their winning ways against uh, welcoming LSU to town on Saturday? Yeah, I think this is an LSU team that just looks shaky on both sides of the ball, which is why uh, I think it was on Paul Feinbaum ahead of the season, and we were talking about this, and I was very cautious, and I said, LSU has everything that it needs on paper. They're bringing back all the Joe Brady uh, the Joe Brady connection coaches, uh, the offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator, both connected to him in Carolina, but things can look good on paper, and they cannot work out on the football field, and LSU is a prime example of that this season. Uh, it can't get the running attack going the way that it wants to. Uh, the defense is subpar for the most part. Derek Singley Jr. is not performing the way that we thought he would. The offensive line is horrendous. Max Johnson is trying his best, uh, making the most of what little he has. And then Kentucky has really opened up uh, under Liam Cohen's, uh, I'm sorry, Liam Cohen. So switch some letters around over there. Liam Cohen's offense over there. Uh, Will Levis played the lion role at Penn State. I thought that he's done a really good job just to this point in the season, I think that there's some area for improvement. But, I mean, I've looked at players that have come from that sort of do-it-all, Taysom Hill-type role at Penn State and other places. And just to look at the way that he's transitioned as a passer just in the short period of time uh, to a program that, is, that has historically struggled. Um, I think that Kentucky, for the most part, is firing on all cylinders. I think that we've seen them, though, in the past a few times play a little too closely to teams that they should have beaten by a very, very large margin. But I still like the Wildcats to win and to cover here for sure, just because of what LSU's shown me to this point. I hate that I agree with you, but let me just say I'm sick about Florida losing to, to Kentucky last week. Yeah. That was awful <laughs> for me and my Florida Gators and everything I did not want to see um, from them and, and thought they had a huge advantage in the run game, but obviously they did not. So I kind of like Kentucky here too. They are a lot yeah, better I think, than I seriously I think thought. That right. win says a lot about Kentucky and how far it's progressed. Oh, absolutely. One final one, a team that really doesn't need to progress every year. They're always good in every single game, and it's Alabama and the Crimson Tide laying now 17 and a half against a Texas A&M team that I thought was going to be a lot better this season. Started off great, now lost back-to-back -back games so far this season, hence why the hook's on that 17. It's easy for me to say to back Alabama because all they do, it seems like win and cover, especially after their big win against Mississippi, Old Miss this weekend. Your thoughts on this one, Chrissy? 
Yeah, I'm done uh, saying that Alabama won't cover because I've been wrong every <laughs> single time that I have. Because the Gators have to come out of the woodwork and have like their one standout game of the season so far against Alabama and almost won that one. And then Ole Miss, I thought would come really close to Alabama because of the way that Florida came so close to Alabama. Didn't even come close. Alabama still covered. And then I personally watched this A&M team uh, up close in College Station just a few days ago, that Mississippi State offense was scoring at will against the Texas A&M defense. Uh, they had just absolutely no answers. The Aggies could not come up with anything. And I think that their offense, too, is just, I wouldn't say stagnant, but almost totally reliant on the run game. Credit to Isaiah Spiller. He's done a phenomenal job this season, had some really big plays against Mississippi State. To me, he's one of the only things that even kept A&M alive and in this thing i think zach calzada is a subpar quarterback i think that he holds the ball too long i think that he limits that offense and i think that texas a&m is going to get absolutely throttled just absolutely crushed by alabama there's there's no other way they haven't won an yep. sec game and this is another team just like lsu looks really really great on paper we have this quarterback that took like what six snaps last year and we're going to make him into god and so uh <laughs> and, then, and then he got injured so he wasn't really performing up to my standards, and then he got injured, but I thought that he was kind of part of their lifeline there. So I think that Alabama absolutely covers this one, and AM has a lot of uh, soul-searching to do at this point. It is tough not to like Bama here. 91% of the spread, or bats rather, coming in on the spread on Alabama, of course, no surprise. Chrissy, thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to check out Chrissy on Twitter at Chrissy underscore Freud. A lot of her work as well on NBCSportsEdge.com. Thank you again. I kind of like Bama too. It is, uh, it's tough not to like them in every single game. Didn't cover one against Florida. I was looking forward to that Texas A&M Bama game. Before I was season, too. It went completely off the rails for Texas A&M this year. So disappointing. We talked about them 33 to one, kind of maybe some value in the market. It's done. Back-to-back losses. I'm going to Bama. You can like trust Nick Saban in college football <laughs> and covering. That's my, that's my analysis for college football. Chrissy's was a lot better. Drew, edge of the day. Where are we going on this fine Tuesday? So it's a little bit of a tricky week. I liked a lot of sides when we saw some openers. The numbers have already been shaping into place, but there's one market move that I am ex- like exactly opposite here, and it is the Green Bay Packers against the Cincinnati Bengals. This Cincinnati Bengals team should have lost to the Jaguars on Thursday. Mm-hmm. They did lose to the Bears week two. Uh, They have really not proven anything in terms of their ability to go toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in the league. Oh, you beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? Congratulations. A lot of teams are going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. You know, and now they are three-point dogs to the Green Bay Packers at home. I don't get this line at all. I think uh, week one, we had uh, Minnesota head to Cincinnati, and they were three-point favorites. So you're basically telling me Green Bay and Minnesota are about the same power-rated team? No way, no how. I am nowhere close to that. My fair price here is Green Bay about six and a half. And that is considering that Jair Alexander will not be available for this Green Bay defense. I also think this is a fair uh, spot to bet the over. I bet the over on Sunday night. It's moved up pretty aggressively into the 50 and a half range now. So between the total and Green Bay, I have a much stronger edge now on Green Bay at minus three. Uh, so we will ride with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers heading to Cincinnati, taking on a weak pass defense. I get it. Cincinnati has extra time to prepare for this one, having played on Thursday night, whereas Green Bay is coming off of uh, maybe a little bit more physical game on the road uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Second week in a row on the road for Green Bay. 
I get it, but not a ton of travel. Wisconsin to Pittsburgh, Wisconsin to Cincy. This is not arduous travel. Uh, and so ultimately, I think the Green Bay Packers get a pretty comfortable win. And I do not in any way, shape or form understand why this number is minus three. Now, there's times we'll go head to head. Um, doesn't happen a lot. But this side with the Packers, the fact that money came in on the Bengals to push this to three, this is an awesome look. I love the Packers in this spot. They could pick apart, I think, a secondary in Cincinnati that might be a little overrated as of late. So I love Green Bay. I'm going to go with the teaser. You talked about it for my edge of the day, a little bit off the top. I got a two-team six-point teaser. It's what I do on Tuesdays now. Uh, San Francisco plus 11 and a half. We'll take the Seahawks plus eight. Cardinals, I know they're the last unbeaten team in the NFC. I saw them play against the Rams in week four. Obviously, they were very good. Now we're looking at an inflated line, though. And I know I liked it at five and a half. You did as well, Drew, your edge of the day yesterday. Um, But we're going to go through two key numbers, get it through the seven, get it through the 10. A few things stand out fairly quickly, bitch. Big coaching mismatch between Cliff Kingsbury and Kyle Shanahan. Trey Lance is starting for the 49ers. Their offense is going to be more unknown and a little bit tricky for Kingsbury. I think they could fool him. So I really like them in this spot. Now getting the six points, of course. And the Seahawks playing on Thursday night against the Rams. Everyone loves the Rams. I understand that coming off of a loss. Um, But they're playing in Seattle. Thursday night football, I know quick turnaround. Seattle's defense adjusted nicely to Trey Lance at the end of the game. I'm not saying the Rams' offense is the same as the Niners, but they were impressive last week. I mentioned the Seahawks are at home. I would say they're getting points at home with the better quarterback. That's normally how I kind of work a lot of my uh, my analysis here. Jalen Ramsey could take away DK. They still have Tyler Lockett. The teaser brings us over a touchdown at home. That's my two-team six-point teaser, Seahawks and the Niners. I love this. Uh, I think both of those sides have value <laughs> for me personally. And uh, ultimately, when the dust settles at the end of the season and we look at the records of the NFC West teams, I got a feeling that the underdogs are going to have a pretty impressive against the spread mark over the balance of the season. Uh, so the fact that you put the two NFC West dogs together, absolutely beautiful job. And uh, I will be betting that as well. So we got the Packers for today and the two-team teaser. A lot more NFL plays throughout the week here on Bet the Edge. Thanks for joining us today and joining us on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. We surely appreciate that. If you're listening to the podcast, please rate and sign up for the pod. Good luck with all of your plays. And Drew and I will see you right back here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet tomorrow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.